Hey everyone, it's David Chen. As you're probably aware, the Filmcast podcast has a Patreon page at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. At that page, you can sign up to receive ad-free episodes as well as exclusive After Dark episodes. What you're about to hear is a recent After Dark that we recorded. During this conversation, we were supposed to be reviewing Top Gun, the original 1986 film, directed by Tony Scott. But I'm of the mind that the most memorable bits from the podcast, the most memorable segments, often happen when the show goes completely off the rails. And I think it's safe to say that something close to that happens during this episode. And it went so off the rails that we felt we had to share it with you and hope that it will entice you to support us on Patreon. The folks over at patreon.com slash film podcast are the reason this podcast keeps going. And we hope you'll consider joining them over there again at patreon.com slash film podcast. Any support is appreciated, but every now and then we'll put uh, one of those exclusive After Darks on the main feed. Here's one of them. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Filmcast After Dark, the after show for the Filmcast where we talk about a variety of topics that didn't make it into the show. I'm David Chen. I'm joined by Jeff Kanata and Devendra Hardawar. This episode brought to you courtesy of the fine folks at patreon.com slash film podcast. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, I had to shout thank you last week because you weren't here. Oh, I'm um, glad you filled in. Thank you. Dave. Yeah, I filled in. I, I, I mean, I tried. Couldn't really, yeah, you know, you got to put your I heart tried. into it, baby. Yeah. Got to really mean it. <laughs> On today's After Dark, we're going to do a couple quick questions. There's a quote online that's been going around that we want to talk about. And then we're going to dive into our review of Top Gun, Tony Scott movie from 1986. So that is what is... Review and review, you know what I'm saying? No? Nothing? Okay. Because we reviewed it again? Is that what that was? Yeah. (laughs) All right, let's take a look at some of the questions. Emails. Once every month or so, uh, we ask you on the Patreon for your questions. Uh, and so let's just do a couple quick questions. Paracancor asks, quote, before every limerick, Jeff says, well, Dave, then Dave giggles. And then Jeff says, I guess you can say my thoughts, dot, dot, dot. My question on Dave's giggle, is it part of the bit? Sometimes Dave elects not to include the giggle. Then something feels missing in Jeff's opening, end quote. <laughs> Is Dave's giggle part of the bit? Um, here's the thing. It it became part of the bit without my knowledge. You know, like, I saw a lot of people on the Slack Filmcast basically saying they love the giggle before the actual limerick itself. And I'm like, then I felt pressured, Jeff. I'm like, <laughs> now I feel like I have to include the giggle or else... You really got to perfect that giggle, yeah. The giggle's got to be natural. I don't, want, no, I don't no. want any faux giggles, Dave. Well, okay, okay, okay. So, but that's the thing is I would never... A hundred percent manufacture a giggle straight out of no no giggle. You, you would never fake a giggle. I, I would never fake, fake a, giggle. a giggle. But yeah. but if there is a kind of you know the the beginnings of a giggle, you know the the you'll the, let it happen. And then I'll let it happen, or I'll maybe mm, amp it up mm. in a way that I wouldn't otherwise. You know, well, but I try not to fake a giggle. That's very disingenuous. Yeah. You know now I, mean? I don't know what is real. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> This is like when Harry met Sally. Yeah. Do you even? Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> yeah. like when Harry met Sally. I'll have what he's having, evidently, and it's limericks. It's giggles. <laughs> uh, okay. I will tell you that it is my goal to earn the giggle, not to mm-hmm. not to have the giggle just 
given to me willy nilly. But mm-hmm. I, I, there's the, the way the way I try to earn the giggle is to yeah. Is how to do you sw- earn the giggle? It's mostly the same phrase every week. Right? Yeah, you got to switch up the timing. You got to make mm-hmm. it. You got to you got to yes. you know. When it's not, uh, hopefully it, it, there's the expectation, and then you subvert the expectation a bit. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, now we're we're explaining the, the joke, and it'll never be funny again. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so true, so true. Well, anyway, just know that there's a lot of thought that goes into the giggle, and maybe there shouldn't be. Mm. Maybe there shouldn't be. There shouldn't even be a thought that goes into the limerick. I'll be honest. Uh, so there was a question from uh, Logan McElroy about. Um, well, there is a legendary episode of the Filmcast After Dark uh, about the Spirit Halloween store uh, in which Jeff tried to relay a simple anecdote about going to Spirit Halloween and getting impatient. And I turned it into a whole uh, episode about, I guess, um, class warfare, I think, if I recall correctly. <laughs> yeah. Turned um, into a morality play. Yeah, yeah. A morality play, basically. And uh, Logan McElroy wants to know, how does Jeff feel about the upcoming Spirit Halloween film? Oh, yes. I got many a tweet about that. Spirit Halloween, the iconic costume and prop store with 1,400 locations, has teamed with Strike Back Studios, Hideout Pictures, and Particular Crowd for a feature-length family movie called, you guessed it, Spirit Halloween, (laughs) which is going to be a family-slash-kids adventure. Uh, Oh, here's, here's the logline. When a new Spirit Halloween store appears in a deserted strip mall, three middle school friends who think they've outgrown trick or treating make a dare to spend the night locked inside the store Halloween night. But they soon find out the store is haunted by an angry evil spirit who has possessed the creepy animatronic characters. The kids embark on a thrilling and spooky adventure in order to survive the night and avoid becoming possessed themselves, end quote. So Jeff, are you looking forward to the Spirit Halloween movie based on the Spirit Halloween store? This is just proof proof of where we are in Hollywood, which is... It doesn't matter what the IP is. Mm-hmm. As long as, as so many people know w- what it is. As long as it's IP, <laughs> you can build a movie around it. It doesn't matter what it is. As long as mm. there's some name. Rec- We're not going to just make a movie based on some script that no one's ever heard of. We're going to make it. It has to be attached to some known quantity, regardless of how frivolous and un- you know, uh, uninteresting the known quantity is. It just needs to be a known quantity. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's mm-hmm. no way this movie's good. And my <laughs> story was right there waiting to be licensed. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, my question is, what is the customer service going to be like at the Spirit Halloween? I, mean, we, I think we know the answer to that. Devendra, you uh, you psyched about a Spirit. Does Spirit <laughs> Halloween hold any special place in your heart? No, no. This, this is all you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Never set foot in one. Devendra's like, keep me Smart. out of this one. Yeah. Yeah. Get spirit of Halloween out your mouth. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Finally, before we get to our Top Gun review, I saw this quote from James Gray going around. Uh, and I'm going to play a clip from it. But basically, there's a quote from James Gray uh, where, you know, James Gray, obviously, super talented filmmaker. Um, he has just premiered a new film called Armageddon Time at uh, the Cannes Film Festival. Can't wait. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. You know, it's actually um, about today, right now. Yeah, yeah, sadly. What did you say? What did you guys say? It's out today. So it's about no. It's about. It's about today. today. Oh, it's about but today. Okay, gotcha. I, I know Jeff. it's like a autobiographical film. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, James Gray, uh, very talented director of films such as Lost City of Z and Ad Astra, Two Lovers. Um, he 
w- was giving an interview recently, and he's, he was talking about how film studios are doing themselves a disservice by gravitating towards releasing only movies that make money. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> because basically by releasing only movies that make money, specifically big superhero blockbusters, they are conditioning a whole generation of people to not go to movie theaters, right? Yeah. Or, or go they, for one specific thing, right? Or like go for I went one to for see, specific thing. That's right. When That's I went right. to see Men, there there were ten screenings at my little multiplex, all devoted to Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. It's a good yeah. movie, but it doesn't need ten screenings. You're ten, you know, different theaters. Yeah. Here's a clip from the interview. This is not the whole thing, but this is uh, one minute from it. The slate, though, the fact that it is no longer broad based for theatrical by the studios means that they have forced a smaller and smaller and smaller segment of the population to like it. I'm going to make them an offer to camera fuse. And you know instantly what movie that is. Right. Right. You cannot quote me a single line from Aquaman. You right. can't. So, so what does that mean? It means the cultural and Academy Awards, they know it. Yeah. They sit around and they say, why is the viewership? Why is it going yeah, down? Yeah, yeah. It's going down because... We did not make the investment in the broad-based engagement with the product. I know, okay, I know, maybe a movie that was made, well, you know, Ang Lee movie Ice Storm, maybe that didn't make a billion dollars, but you know what? It maintained broad-based interest. Exactly. So we've got to force it back. And you know what? The studios should be willing to lose money for a couple of years on art film divisions. And in the end, they will be happier. Because it'll that. come back. I, that's what I think. Will it come back? Is name me one line from the Ice Storm, though. <laughs> well, first of all, I can name a here. line from Aquaman. Yeah. It's when he appears on the ship and he says, "Permission to come aboard." <laughs> you know, yeah. Or see, classic. Does he say, "My man" on on in Aquaman? <laughs> my, no, man. Like, my man. It's a, my it's man. My man. It's a ter- it's a terrible metric. To say, because you can quote one of the most iconic films of all time. <laughs> no one's making well, it, it. It's a bad metric, but his argument is, is correct. Yes. Well, you know, the only way to save movies is to lose money on, on the movies. You know, that, that's I think, kind of it. I think I would agree with him if we were in a pre-streaming world. Um, but I think that what's happening to a lot of the audiences is not um, that they don't want to see adult skewing movies. It's that it's more easy to see those movies at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's less, re- there's less kind of reason for them to turn out to the theater to see those movies. Now, I mean, it, yes. th- that's partially, you know. that's true. That's true. Um, but I, I think even with the streaming world, what he's saying is correct. Like it, you can't just push all those movies to streaming either, because then it means, Oh, th- those are just like small scale TV experiences, basically. Like that's how people see them. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the 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 comic books, like which I like, I like a lot of them. Um, that's all you go to the theater for. And I think he is pointing out this dangerous precedent of being like, that's all theaters are for, right? Like right. that's you, how we're kind of shifting it. And I'm yeah. saying, yeah, the, streaming is great. I love streaming. Um, there's also too much shit in streaming. Um, where good shows get lost, good movies get lost, and it's as if they never existed. You know, so. Yeah, he is spot on here. I think that's an interesting quote that you played. I much prefer the quote that recently made the rounds from Ethan Hawke, Mm -hmm. who said, I love movies. I love all kinds of movies. I like Mm -hmm. superhero movies. I like art house movies. But the distinction I make isn't between a superhero movie and an art house movie. It's between a movie that's made 
from the heart and a movie that's made to make money. Mm -hmm. And you can tell the difference. And he said, I will always gravitate to movies that were made with mm -hmm. heart. Yeah. And I think there's a number of superhero movies. I would argue Dr. Strange is one that you can feel the heartbeat inside it. And I think there's a lot of Marvel movies. Uh, you know, I think the Infinity War, uh, in, in, you know, Infinity Gauntlet saga, there's a lot of movies that I think resonate culturally and resonate with people because they are made with heart. There's, there's heart in them. Maybe it, it is a, it is a culture, uh, excuse me, a commercial endeavor. And it is one that has made a whole lot of money and it is a machine in mm -hmm. a lot of ways. But I think you can feel the heartbeat inside those films and they, they're trying sure. to say something. And then you have stuff like Morbius or whatever that just doesn't feel like that at all or Venom. They're, they're both kind of saying the same thing though like if you, if you beyond the clip that uh, you just played dave like uh he goes on to say like he he likes batman movies like his friends have made batman movies and superhero movies that he's not putting them down that was just like you know the example in that clip um but he he is not knocking comic movies they're both saying we have to risk this movie may not be you know a billion dollar you know box office draw but this small scale this 20 30 million dollar thing deserves to be in movies and we kind of need the studios to do that but our system that we live in will never let that happen. Like yeah. we, it, the world of capitalism will never make that a thing. It's almost kind of like, um, yeah, go ahead, mm -hmm. Jeff. I'm sorry, Dave. W one quick last point. Uh, and I'm, I'm basically underscoring what you already said, which is that I think the notion of leaving your house for something has changed mm -hmm. because the experience of watching films at home has the delta between the film, the the movie experience, the, excuse me, the theater experience and the home experience has shrunk for so many of us. And I, I don't think that the, you know, I don't, I don't think the value proposition of watching, you know, um, the, uh, what was the, the gangs of Newark or what was the last, um, you know, I don't, I don't think that that, if that had been uh, um, theaters only, it would have felt like a bigger, better movie. I, I don't. I don't know. I think there are. are you lots talking about of, the Many Saints of New York. The Many Saints of New yeah, York. I don't know why that yeah. movie you can barely remember, head. Jeff. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, but it's not because I didn't see it in a movie theater. You know, I, I just don't. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I mm -hmm. anyway, you, go you ahead, Dave. You we? had well, a pretty I, big screen experience too. So uh, yeah, that's know. true. I'm, I'm I'm biased, I guess. Yeah, kind of a random. This I don't know if this is a great analogy, but like it reminds me of this idea of like Halo cars. Have you guys heard of like this concept of Halo cars? Yep. We're like. A company like Ferrari will make like a halo car, like a supercar that's like incredible that they'll only expect to sell like five of, and it's right. like wildly unprofitable for them to. Yeah, it's make like a loss car. leader. Yeah, right, mm -hmm. loss leader. But like the idea is that like, hey, we are going to make this because it is going to show what people can aspire to, right? And uh -huh. mm -hmm. obviously, it's a very different situation. It's like, it's like the exact inverse. It's like a <laughs> the the cheap movies. That won't make that won't make any money. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly. It's like, hey, this movie is cheap, but it's like what you can aspire to artistically. You know uh -huh, what I mean? Uh -huh. Um, and and yes, it's going to lose a bunch of money, but it's going to like I, again. You know, I've been talking about Mad Max Fury Road a lot because we I've read that book recently. But it's like they they were you know the end of that book is talking about how okay the movie actually didn't make that much money. I think it made like three sixty six mm -hmm. million worldwide. Right. Um, but culturally the impact is enormous. Like there's, it, it probably inspired an entire generation of filmmakers, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know? 
um, that there's so many people who are like, I saw Mad Max Fury Road, and I'm like, that's this. That's when I decided I want to make movies. Right. You know? But I mean, and, to something more recent, I'm glad we saw Men in theaters. That was a movie that easily uh, could have been a straight to streaming thing. And I think would have even hurt that movie even more. You know, like what I really love about it are those like lush visuals and being transported to this, to this world that Alex Garland is creating. Um, there was still something I watch a lot of movies at home, but I still feel the, the disconnect sometimes the draw of your cell phone, you know, the draw mm-hmm. of uh, going to the bathroom, um, even just being able to pause it and do other things. Like it, there's give and take, you know? And I think like, this is, this is kind of it like, this is the point where, we need to like make a stand for good theatrical experiences, especially for smaller films. Otherwise, mm-hmm. this stuff is dying, guys. Like a landmark theater um, in LA, Jeff. It, what, what you probably know the one, um, mm-hmm. the landmark theater just like closed yeah. suddenly w- within a month. Like I think a very famous one, and that reminded me of when the landmark Sunshine uh, shut down in New York, also very suddenly. And I had so many memories tied to that little, you know, indie theater. And I'm not even talking about like megaplexes, but unless we make the movies that need to be on those screens, like those screens will disappear. I think that is my biggest worry. Then you're just left with the multiplexes and the superhero movies. And that's, I like superhero movies. I don't want that to be the only thing. Yeah. Agreed. All right, folks, let's get to our review of Top Gun, the 1986 Tony Scott film. Now, before we get into this, yeah, one of those mid-budget uh, adult movies, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it actually the budget was relatively small. I think it was around fifteen Pretty million small. dollars. This movie kind and, of started the the huge blockbuster trend, though, right? Um, kind of in a way, it was well, definitely a I mean, massive success, but yeah, on a yeah, relatively yeah. small budget. Yeah. Um, and let's let's go back a little bit to uh, May sixteenth, nineteen eighty six, when this movie debuted. It debuted in a thousand theaters, and it was number one at the box office that weekend. It grossed eight million dollars. So you can imagine between grossing eight million dollars all the way to like hundreds of millions of dollars worldwide. Like you know, movies were in were in theaters for many, many, many weeks, many months back then. Um, <laughs> Chernobyl had just happened. <laughs> three three weeks prior to this. Okay. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to make you guys guess the top five movies at the box office because I think most of people won't know uh, four uh, or uh, three out of the five movies. But I'm going to ask if you can give a shot at number two. Um, do you guys have any idea what was number two at the box office? That 1986? In 1986, mm. that Top Gun was released. Um, and I will give you some hints. Uh, it was a sci-fi movie from Sony TriStar. Um, it grossed four million dollars that week, and it had been released at the movie theaters the week uh, the weekend before. So, nineteen ninety six sci-fi movie that was probably part of many of our childhoods. May sixteenth, nineteen eighty six, number right. two at the box office. Any guesses? A complete shot in the dark is what I would, and would just be trying to pull eighties sci-fi movies. Pull from... it, pull it. I mean. Freaking knows Flight of the Navigator. Mm, no, at but number kind, two, c- kind of close. Uh, hmm. The answer. Uh, Devin, you any guesses? No, I've, I'm I'm not Griffin Newman, who's very good at this. Yes, uh, yeah. Check. Yeah. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, I I will. Yeah, I'm going to put this out there. Batteries um, not included. Uh, you're extremely close. You're extreme. You'd be white hot. <laughs> short white circuit. Hot. Short circuit. Yes. Oh, short ah. circuit. Short yeah. circuit. The John Badham film. 
uh, starring Fisher Stevens. Yeah. In yeah. a fairly that offensive... That aged well. Depiction. Yeah. Yeah, it did not age well. That movie. But anyway, Short Circuit, number two at the box office. So, anyway. That, that's the world we were in. Uh, talking that's... robots and men in jets. That was America <laughs> yeah. back then. Talking robots, uh, offensive... Simpler time, Davinja. Uh, offensive, yeah, yeah. Uh, racist portrayals and uh, men in jets. Okay, Top Gun. So, I, I do want to point out, we are not going to discuss Top Gun Maverick, but we have all seen Top Gun Maverick at this mm-hmm. point, right? Mm-hmm. So... Um, there, we may not be able to help slipping in a reference or two to Top Gun Maverick in our conversation, but we'll try not to. We'll try to make this a pure conversation of Top Gun. Uh, so, Devendra, I'm curious, like, w- you know, rewatching this movie, what did you think of it? I, I have never, like, prior to this, I have never yeah. thought this was a great film, right? We've, we've never it's, talked about Top Gun. It's even, never yeah. been a film I'm like, I really love that film. I got to read it. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, I mean, I saw yep. it growing up. I watched it again a couple of years ago, actually, because my wife had never seen it. I was like, okay, we'll watch Top Gun. Yeah, let me I ask think- you this. Let me start with this question, actually. What, yeah. Before we get into like thoughts of the movie, what was your most prominent memory about <laughs> Top Gun? I will tell you mine uh-huh. was playing the Top Gun Nintendo video game. That was a pretty good game. <laughs> and continuously crashing into because the landing in that game was so hard. Landing in all the early games, yeah. I had no, I had no idea how to land that thing. I was like probably like, I don't know, five years old trying to play that game. And I, I kept, cra- I just remember distinctly trying to land a jet on an aircraft carrier and just crashing into the water over and over again. Every my... NES game that was like driving or flying, complete disaster. I grew up in the yes. Knight Rider game. Oh, oh yes. my God. Yeah. But um, do you guys have any prominent memories around Top Gun? Not really. Not really? Jeff, can I have I, any Yeah, absolutely. Or... I mean, yeah, I'm a little cool. older than you guys, right? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I wasn't old enough when this movie came out but I grew up in its wake, you know? Um, so that to me, the way that you get a girl is <laughs> you never close your eyes. And, and about having a wingman, I'll be your wingman. Having a wingman in, mm-hmm. in, in trying to pick up a girl was like a thing, mm-hmm. you know? Not that I ever did because I was a <laughs> massive nerd, but that was the ideal. That was like the ma- magic, the magic thing. Uh, that you could just you just walk up to a girl and start singing and your friends helping you out. You know, it's like <laughs> that to me was the the thing about Top Gun uh, as, as growing up as a as a kid. Yeah, mm-hmm. the gender politics of this movie uh, going into the women's bathroom to continue to talk to a girl who wasn't interested in you. That's a uh, that's fun. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, I, not the yeah, greatest. It's, it's not definitely, the uh, uh, you know, I feel a little uh, I felt a little a little cringy uh, mm-hmm. as I was watching it. But. Uh, I was very surprised at how much power they sort of give the uh, the woman in, in, no, she's in good. that she's good. dynamic. Yeah. You know, yeah. the Kelly McGillis yeah, yeah. character like isn't is not powerless. She actually shuts him down pretty hard, and uh, I think ultimately it isn't as you know it isn't as sort of one sided as I thought it might be uh, as yeah. I was revisiting it. But Devendra, overall thoughts on Top Gun? Uh, you know what? Yeah, uh, kind of the same as you, Dave. Like, I, I've never really loved Top Gun. I saw it, you know, probably in the early 90s at some point. And I rewatched it again recently with my wife who had never seen it. And, uh, you know, I think it was like early pandemic. So we were just looking at, you know, what, whatever was around. We were really bored. Um, <laughs> uh, rewatching it again, I can totally see, like, why this movie was such a hit. You know, like, Tom Cruise is kind of a force of nature in here. Like, the vibe of it um it is the just vibe so, is incredible i mean the vibe is great adrenaline the soundtrack when soundtrack do mm-hmm. is it dodeca what is it what is 9x not octa but the one after that uh-huh, you know? uh-huh. it went 9x platinum 
you know, um, the soundtrack. But take my it's breath away. And, and Harold Faltermeyer's score. Mm-hmm. Right. I, take uh, my breath away. And then the da 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 da. You know, like. I mean, Kenny Loggins. Kenny Loggins. Kenny Loggins is a dangerous danger like, zone. You have three iconic pieces of music in this one movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? That defined a lot of culture afterwards. But know, also, like, that, that yeah. was kind of. I mean, I remember growing up and having the cassette tapes of Top Gun and Footloose and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. break in and like that's what you did like you you bought the soundtrack to the movie and the soundtrack to the movie had all of the music that was played on the radio like that's right right, right. it was yeah. you know it, i don't think we really have that anymore yeah my mm. family owned the uh the soundtrack to top gun too along with the yeah. oh yeah but you know it's a it, it is a fun movie i don't um i just don't have any specific love to it i know people who love this movie like will have the posters have defined their lives a bit by top gun and there's a swagger to it like tom cruise is great he is he is a force of nature even though he's super annoying um watching it right now though ice ice was right ice was always right you know like iceman everything he says is absolutely true about maverick (laughs) so i think even as a kid i was like this maverick guy is kind of an asshole and he's putting people in danger he he basically um was you know slightly responsible for killing his best friend too so it's like there's a lot of stuff here um the action is good is well shot like i think the energy of it the vibe of it is really uh is really fun it's just you know not one of my favorite movies which is why the sequel surprised me but we will talk about that later it's so true you know you 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 remember iceman as being this antagonist in Mm -hmm. the movie and you realize all he's ever saying is like this guy's dangerous and (laughs) yeah literally his co-pilot died and maybe we shouldn't like maybe we shouldn't Make, let this guy Maybe we shouldn't reward this yeah he literally yeah. doesn't what, what's amazing about growing older is like you you em, you start <laughs> empathizing with the antagonist in the movies and you're like uh, wait yeah. a second I think that I always person liked, has a point uh, i always yeah. like Man too because uh i don't know i, I feel like val kilmer uh i liked him more as a as a star growing up you know and yeah his career didn't go the same way but he never has that classic 80s antagonist thing where, yeah, you know, yeah. he sweeps the leg at any point or does yeah. any, you know, there's no. He's never cruel. Yeah. Right. He never does anything that is sort of, he never breaks the rules. He never, he's just, he just points out that this yeah. guy who doesn't listen to authority <laughs> probably yeah. isn't the best person to be giving a multi-million he, he dollar death Grimes machine to. to Mavericks Homer Simpson. <laughs> You know, <laughs> what, what is so amazing. And yeah, we're going to talk about it later, but like, you know, later on when we review Top Gun Maverick, but it's like, <laughs> it almost feels like that movie perfects what this movie is trying to do. Yes. You know, like, yes, even from the antagonist perspective, you know, like the antagonist in that movie is more like 80s cartoonish than in this movie, I would argue. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, Jeff, what were your thoughts on Top Gun? Yeah, I mean, I, I like I said, I grew up in the in the wake of this movie. I grew up. Uh, this movie was was very much the part Did of the. You say fabric. you grew up in the jet wash. Jet wash, indeed. Yeah, the, it was very much the fabric <laughs> part of the fabric of the eighties, and it is you know, it, it, I got the need the need for speed is is something that my friends would say. You know, yeah. it, 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 that high five, low five thing, like you know, it, it it's. It, it it really does feel in a lot of ways like like a lot of Tony Scott films. It, it feels like an extended music video, you mm-hmm. know, because the music is such a strong part of it, because the images are so flashy and stylized and of the mid 80s. You know, it, Tony Scott is such a uh, such a, um, a an iconic filmmaker of the time period he's working in. 
and elevates that time period and kind of expresses it in its 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 fullest that you know th this movie just just feels of that time to me and revisiting it feels like journey back into that time and you're mm -hmm. so right Devendra, about tom cruise and his smile like does so much work in this movie yeah he, i don't think he uses that like he used to you know he, he, he it, like the smile is doing 80 percent of the work in this movie and mm -hmm. uh it's uh it's it's kind of interesting to see him at such a young age and all these young actors i mean i had forgotten that meg ryan was in this you know it's like one of her first parts and she's She's effervescent and awesome and total yeah. Meg Ryan as she just waltzes into this movie and you're like, how did she not get the lead? You know, <laughs> she's just so clearly a movie star, even in this small part. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's a great movie. I, it's, it's sort of baffling to me. I mean, it's interesting to see a movie that was made before CG and how they realized these, yeah. these mm -hmm. fighter uh, moments. Um, I remember the inverted moment as being such a awesome... <laughs> badass mm -hmm. thing and then in the movie it's like oh wow that looks terrible yeah um yeah but, but i remembered it being incredible you know like yeah you know? and then him like bragging about it in that scene it's like yeah um but it, it it's wild to see how they you know how tony scott realizes these these dog fighting scenes it pre-cg and and sort of with crude special effects and it's not great, you know. It's like at the time it was it's, it's spectacular, but it's a lot of it's it's barely well, coherent. You yeah, know? yeah. I mean, he, here's what is good about it is it actually looks like they got footage of fighter fighter jets, right? Yes. Like, and, yeah. and that I, I think, that is great. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, yeah. it looks like they actually got this footage, and then then you have like a close up of you know Tom Cruise or uh, Anthony Edwards on a green screen or a blue screen back then, probably, and they cut it together. But like, the problem is it feels like they only used what they could get and they tried to make it into something coherent. And I don't think it quite works. Like it's well, like, it... here's a bunch of like a, ran a haphazardly assembled footage. This is the best, most coherent we could make it. But ultimately it doesn't gel together. In my it's, it's kind of extraordinary from an editing perspective because I can't imagine what they had to work with you must yeah. have, they must have just had a literally like b-roll b-roll yeah. of jets <laughs> mm -hmm. you know yes. like mm -hmm. they just went up and shot yes hours of jets yep. going this way going that way you yep. know like yep. Yep. and then you have to create a coherent story out of that it's yep. wild yeah. yeah and and obviously for top gun maverick like the the visual effect like it's they actually went up and did a lot of it for real. And they mounted a camera inside. And, you know, it it looks a lot more realistic in the new one. And that alone is kind of, it's almost like we're going to make this movie right, you know, is kind of sure. how I feel yeah. like the approach yeah, I mean, the new one is, right? It's 30 um, years of yeah. improvement in, in filmmaking techniques. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I don't think this movie is great. I just think it is so... It, it is so it, it it really is a feeling. It's a mood. Yeah. It is this this guy and this girl and on a motorcycle and a flag and you know uh, bros and like it, it it really is a feeling. And I think that's what America rallied around in 1986 is that feeling of yeah you know USA and and feeling good and feeling um um. Uh, valorous, you know, and, and yeah. it, it, 
And I get it, you know, I get why, like Devendra, I get why it was such a hit, but I don't, I do not think it is a great film. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to reflect on like when this movie was released and at the time, right? At the time that the movie was released, <laughs> the idea of being a skilled dogfighter was going out of style, right? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. the idea that America would need skilled dogfighter pilots was fading at yeah. the time, at in 1986, right? 30 years ago. And, or almost 40 years ago, I guess it is now. You know? Yeah, almost and, 40. And so it is this kind of, there is this kind of optimistic concept at the at the core of this movie that like maybe America's best days lie ahead of it, right? Maybe America's best days as like yeah, um, part of uh, the leader of the free world, bringing freedom and democracy to the rest of the planet. Like may maybe um, this movie can help to celebrate that, and the military as a key component of that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and and I think like apparently it, it really achieved that. Like I think I heard they like started setting up uh, navy recruitment uh, s stations like in front of movie theaters because yeah. of how effective this movie was at, at selling that message. That's uh that, that's not great, but okay, yeah, yeah. Matthew I, I, Modine I, was originally <laughs> apparently supposed to be the lead, but turned it down because of the way this movie treated the military. Yeah. Yeah. And as in valorizing it, it it's yeah, a very it's a patriotic military, right? Right. Movie, yeah. yeah. And and you know, that was before this movie was before 9-11, before the invasion of Iraq and Afghanistan, um, before the war on terror, you know, which was extremely yeah. protracted and before drone warfare, you know, and post so, like, Vietnam, before, like I mean, there there is there's certainly a big culture again that was trying to be anti-war at that time, you know. Mm -hmm. Jeff, what were you gonna say? I mean, I think it's also before uh, the real zeitgeist turned to antiheroes as well. Mm -hmm. Like it, mm -hmm. it, it, it this yeah. the the you know you had like Hulk Hogan and you know yeah. I am a real American. This is not you suburban. Know, this is the suburban commando time period. Yeah, this is GI <laughs> Joe, and mm -hmm. uh, this is you yeah. know this is rah rah America. This is Rocky Four. This is you know this right. is that is what the eighties were. It's, it's, yeah. it's yeah, yeah. those of us that were alive during it. Remember, but you know, it's, it's kind of hard to imagine. Weird freaking time. Weird yeah. freaking time, you know? And, and so, uh, th this movie is very much a celebration of that. You know, it, it is perhaps one of the most pure forms of that distilled, right. You know, this, this kind of idea of the all American hero and, um, always fighting for good and, and, goes his own way, marches to the beat of his own drummer. <laughs> so, but I agree. The movie's not very good. <laughs> I think that, I think that there is a, the vibe you, you watch this movie for the vibes. You mm -hmm. watch this movie for, um, you know, guys sweating a lot on the, like paying, playing volleyball on the beach. You watch it for, Take my breath away. Shot like a music video while they're making love. You watch it for the soundtrack, um, but you don't watch it for the plot, which felt strangely like a complete lack of stakes in this. While I was watching this movie, right? Like the stakes are: is he going to graduate? Right? Is he going to graduate from Top Gun? And then they kind of inject a last-minute action scene in the final, like. <laughs> 18 minutes of this movie basically right like it's yeah it, the pacing is absolutely bizarre it's basically space camp 
right? It's, mm-hmm. it's it, you're going to school, you're going to school. Oh, it got real at the end. Yep. You know, it's yep. You actually went to space. What are you, are you going to do it? You know, yep. Uh, yep. yep. which yep. is pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the the stakes felt strangely completely absent, but I really well, I did. Think, yeah, one of the things ahead. I had completely forgotten about this movie is how much it's about his like relationship with his dad. Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I completely forgot that entire angle. And it's a huge part of the movie is like him <laughs> in the shadow of his father and trying to live up to his father and all that stuff. Yeah. Apparently that was a later addition, if I'm if I recall correctly. Like I think they they were like, we gotta add this in to like give to give it his, his, this character a little bit more growth, right? Um that he's trying to like uh, kind of come out from under the shadow of his father in some way. Um but at the same time as I didn't enjoy the movie very much, you just got to acknowledge how iconic some of this stuff is. You know, the, we've already talked about the soundtrack, but you know, the, the volleyball scene is like legendary for its homoeroticism. <laughs> um, the ending of them all kind of celebrating on the aircraft carrier. Like, I just feel like that's like, like an iconic scene. There's so many movies that have a very similar sensibility and tone at the end of like everyone celebrating. And he's like, you can be my wingman anytime. And it's like, yeah, that's still pretty effective for me. You know? Um, I mean, they did it in star Wars first, but yeah. okay, Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. But you know, you know what I mean? Um, (laughs) Yes. It continues the tradition, Jeff. It continues the tradition. (laughs) So, uh, but at at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, this is a movie where you kind of want to be in this vibe. uh, And, not much else, in my opinion. Not not much from a plot perspective, you know. Yeah. Anything? Uh, anything else? Any other thoughts on this movie, Devendra? Any any thoughts on uh, on the pacing or or the ending of this film? Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I, I think first of all, Kelly McGillis, I think is very good in this, and I was very sad not to see her in the follow up, and we'll probably talk to talk about that. Uh, she should have been in Maverick, maybe, um, or something like just just resolve that character a bit more. Have you seen um, the I, quote as to yeah. what? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, yeah. pretty. Not great. Not great. Well, I mean, it's, I think she gets it. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. she understands. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's good action filmmaking. Like Tony Scott, um, this is basically him like figuring out like what he was really great at. And it, yeah, this, this stuff defined action movies for the next couple decades too. Um, I wish I liked it more. Um, it's just, I'm, I'm flashing back to like the nineties when, you know, um, or even like, you know, I was born in 84. So I, I would occasionally talk to like, you know, younger family members who were really into this movie and I, I thought it was cool, but I just could never really fully get into it. So yeah, that's a shame. I, I will say I expected the action scenes to be worse than they actually were. Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I was thinking to myself, wow, the technology they have back then couldn't possibly even put together anything remotely close to good. Um, but they it actually looks like they got this footage and the footage looks pretty good of the, mm-hmm. the fighter jets. It's edited to shreds. You know, it's like they, they clearly, like you said, Jeff, I can't imagine the footage they're dealing with. Um, and I, I don't think they ended up, they, they did not succeed in cobbling together something that feels like a geographically coherent sequence in this film. Um, but... Uh, they, it looks like they actually shot real jets, you know, looks like they actually shot real fighter jets. And, um, and th- that footage, when you're able to see it uninterrupted for more than two seconds, it does look pretty good. Um, but yeah, I agree, you know, and, and Tony Scott's always kind of had a frenetic style when it comes to the editing. This is actually sure. like 
pretty mild uh, yeah. for a Tony Scott film. But yeah, it's a very music video. I think that in in in, uh, in both senses, in mean, the positive and the negative. I think it, there's a lot of positive about how music video it is. You know, um, yeah. And also uh, another thing, a lot of tongue <laughs> in this movie. A lot more tongue than I remember. Uh huh. You don't like, really what, see. What are you referring to specifically? The Kelly McGillis uh, Tom Cruise makeout sesh. Mm. It's like you you make sure we see there. There's a tongue, tongue in silhouette. Yeah. Going, the tongue is going into the mouth, mm-hmm. which is, I don't think, it's, it's, I think that's a very 80s style. You don't really see that as a <laughs> highlighted in romantic scenes anymore, you know? I think it's really interesting to reflect on, top, uh, on uh, Tom Cruise's evolution as an actor. I mean, he was such a big deal in the 80s and a sex symbol. Like, remember when Tom Cruise was a sex symbol? Do you know what I mean? I think he's still a sex symbol, dude. You think so? Yes. I think he's still a sex symbol. I, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. I, I feel like. I think he thinks. I, that. I mean, he doesn't do sex scenes anymore. For one, he does yeah. shirtless scenes all the time, dude. Every he, movie he is a shirt shirtless off. scenes, but he does he, shirtless it, scenes, it, but not sex scenes. It is very you know? sanitized. It is it's like very, a yeah, sexless exactly. uh, bit of uh, you know presentation there. Yeah. I feel like the whole Katie Holmes thing was kind of yeah. a turning point. Like. Yeah. The the whole Katie Holmes thing and the jumping on the couch and everything went so weird <laughs> for Tom Cruise. Like it kind of alienated so many people. I think that he has become way more circumspect about his self image uh, in the years since then. Um, mm-hmm. And there was actually he actually did a re- an interview at, at the Cannes Film Festival, and I, Rachel Handler wrote it up at Vulture and was like, "This is the most boring interview I've ever witnessed in my entire life." Like he he does not provide any insight about anything in his life about Scientology about anything, yeah. Um, because I think he's learned like he's probably kind of like a weird dude, and the more he exposes <laughs> that to the public, like the the less well it goes for him when it comes to PR and also yeah. his movies. Well, I don't um, disagree with any of that, but I I think you're crazy if you think that he just takes his shirt off in movies not to be a sex symbol. Has he? I mean, we will talk about this in the next movie, but I think uh, that movie features one of the weirdest sex scenes I have ever seen. Just absolutely <laughs> weird. Just yeah, exactly. absolutely That's weird. That's what, what I'm the saying. Heck? I, I was very confused in terms of what was happening during that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just yeah. It, it basically Jeff, I'm just trying to reflect a little bit on the fact that like he was a full-on sex symbol in the 80s. Right. I really don't think he is that now. Right right now you, you he seems is 100% so, but I he is, dude. What'd you say? There's no other explanation for how many times he has his shirt off in the Mission Impossible. You can you could take your shirt off without being. Yeah, like, there's a difference. It's a between, very different thing between he's buff, he like is yeah, cut yeah, well, yeah. and like he wants to be perceived as a sex. I just it, don't. It's, it's a virility. What is the other thing? reason? Yeah. It's what? a virility thing. Like that it is, is exactly, sex symbol, dude. I'm sorry. There's is, no well, difference. I don't, what I you're don't agree that they're the same thing. Like it, you're it crazy. You're crazy if you think. Listen, listen for a second, because right now he's what he's doing is trying to prove like. I am I am still like able to do all these action scenes. You right. know, I'm still able to do yes. these stunts, being able to do these things. And virile in the sense that he is still, you know, a big action star, you know, not just about sex, but that sense of masculinity, totally. That is totally what he's been selling because he knows it's it's gonna be gone. Five years? Like he he can't he, whatever he does, he's not gonna be able to do shirtless scenes very for much longer. I think that you, the both of you, your efforts to decouple those two things is where are the sex surprising. scenes, Jeff? No, yeah, where, where are the, where the sex are scenes? They? 
Tell me a sex scene in any major Hollywood movie that's made over $200 million. <laughs> I mean, that's, right. a, me that's any, a big problem any. in general. There, that's you, a problem. If you look, at, if you look at, at, at the sex scene in Top Gun, it's a vestige of a bygone era. It doesn't exist in movies now. You know why? Because movies like this are PG-13 and they don't, you can't have tongue in mouth now. It, it, it's not, that, that is not what they're selling in I, big I, budget what, Hollywood here's movies. What, here's what I'll say. <laughs> I am more willing to accept the premise that we basically have no sex symbols anymore or very few in Hollywood mm-hmm, mm-hmm. than I am willing to accept that Tom Cruise still No, the, 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 the notion of a sex symbol has morphed. And it, the same the, the same way that that Chris Pratt and Chris Pine and and Chris Hemsworth and all the Chris's the same way they are sex symbols, which is what they take off their shirt in movies. That's how you are a sex symbol in American in big budget mainstream Hollywood blockbusters. Now that's what Tom Cruise is doing. It's the same fucking thing. I just think this is I do. okay. Remember I how don't... weird it was in Jack Reacher, where he was in a room with a woman that he he had clearly slept with, and uh, it it always feels just weird. Like that that's the thing. Like I cannot it... imagine Tom Cruise as a man ha- engaging in copulation. You know, he he exists on the, on the screen to make uh, fun movies, but it's just one of those things. Like I feel like he's it's like saying the it's like saying the Rock is a sex symbol. You know, I don't believe that. What? That's true. <laughs> Are you seriously trying to? Are you being funny? I mean, are you fucking no, with me? No, I'm being a hundred percent. You are trying to tell me the Rock is not a sex symbol. I mean, we, we can. Oh have my argument. god, we can have this argument. I, I feel like you're going to dilute your position here on Tom Cruise, Dave, if, if we get into this. But uh, uh, <laughs> you genuinely think the Rock is not a sex symbol? Yeah, this is this is an ignorance of your of your particular uh, sexual proclivity. Is that you just can't imagine? I guess I, that's the only thing way I can ima- understand it is because I, I mean I, I I find the Rock very uh, attractive. I'm just saying that as like, do women that, who want to have not sex the with image, him. But like if you look at the <laughs> if you look at like the way he presents himself in movies and like how how he is involved yeah. romantically with other characters in movies, like it just that is because is, that is a that is a shift in how films talk about sex in America. That has nothing to do with him not being presented as a sex dude okay well first of all this is the most strongly you have felt about literally any topic yeah you have a lot of thoughts for weeks no i'm express i'm not expressing a strong opinion i'm expressing shock at your opinion that put put aside the rock i i I, here's what i want people on the patreon yeah let us know if you think if you think tom cruise is a sex symbol like i I think the idea of that is so patently nonsense i am in shock he I'm is, in shock that you think so. He is so, presented in every one of these movies 100% as a sex symbol. Now, the, the, the way that your <laughs> phrasing can twist it is by is is it gets to a sort of personal taste issue, which is kind of how Devinder defended it too. It's like, I can't imagine. It doesn't matter if you can imagine Tom Cruise. The way the film presents his characters is okay, 100% the, the, a sex symbol. The Wikipedia definition of sex symbol <laughs> is... An icon or, uh, sorry, uh, um, a sex symbol or icon is a person or character widely considered sexually attractive. So that has, it's it's actually yes. about like what their that's, status in society applicable. is. That's applicable. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. Applic- that's applicable. <laughs> Just because you two can't imagine having sex with Tom Cruise, nor can I, does not mean the, the film that's, that's is not, not presenting him as a sex symbol. Let, yeah, let's, Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible, in Mission Impossible 2. 
Yes. That hair. Yes. That's that's smoldering 100% hair. 100% sex the, symbol in that him, movie. And him and Tandy Newton 100%. in that bathtub. Like that is. Yes. Oof. Oof. Yes. Again, and again, in another, no other film since. Again, another 25-year-old movie, whatever it was. That's PG-13. PG-13. But, but I'm telling you, they don't. Does any do does Chris Hemsworth or Chris Pratt or any of those people are they presented the way that Tom Cruise is present in that movie depend, or in Top Gun? It depends Gun? on the movie. It kind of does it depend on the movie. Dude, but yeah, they are they are in those movies to be sex symbols. Chris Hemsworth is a sex symbol as Thor. Do you know how? Wanna, do you want to know how I know? Because he has his fucking shirt off. That's how you know. That that I seems like to be this, your only criteria. That seems to be your what, only that, criteria, Jeff. That, is if they have their shirt off, they're a sex symbol. Dude, which is like incredible. Do you think that is not it the is vocabulary of Hollywood? I'm telling you, that is the Hollywood <laughs> vocabulary. You're trying to tell me that Chris Hemsworth isn't a sex symbol? No, I'm not trying to tell you that at all. I'm How? trying to tell you what, he is. In what movie, and Tom in what movie does he not. have? <laughs> in what movie does he have sex? Like Tom Cruise has sex in Top Gun in the first Top Gun. Well, I the think black hat. None the of black them. Black hat, brother. <laughs> none of them. He reviewed Black Hat. Yeah, I'm, that's a sexy movie at times. I'm telling. Well, I think I'm, what we're I'm, learning, what, argument, what I'm learning in the course of this conversation, is obviously because there's basically are no sex scenes in Hollywood anymore. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's my that's fucking true. point, that, that's dude. True. That's is true. That the vocabulary of Hollywood has changed. That is different. Yeah, from but the I also Chris don't feel. I don't all. agree that just because someone <laughs> fucking takes their shirt off, they are a sex symbol or or are perceived as such. The, anyway. That is how the that is the vocabulary of Hollywood has changed. <laughs> that is the communication that you are a sex symbol now. <laughs> That okay, is how they okay. could, the m- movies communicate it. Okay, there's no okay. point. There's no reason to take your shirt off otherwise. What's okay, the point okay. in having a All scene right. where you take your fucking shirt off other than to it- present sexuality? <laughs> Maybe okay. he just wants to okay. point out he, he's got amazing pecs. Not, not, you know, and who would not. appreciate those, Devendra? People who are attracted have to you, that. Have you ever heard muscly men talk to other muscly men? Uh, about how, like, what exactly your exercises are and everything. Uh, I think it was like Kumail and some other some other person was uh, was like comparing their workouts and stuff. Like, I feel like men who are into um, working out are far more interested in uh, in that in those specifics. But, are you, you tell, well, are you telling well, me the new Top Gun movie, which we're not going to talk about, but the new Top uh-huh. Gun movie isn't selling sex at all? Oof! Uh, it is one hundred percent selling sex. You call that one hundred percent. My, I'm not saying any of these straw men that you're bringing up, Jeff. I am just saying I don't, those are examples. I, I am just saying I know I no longer believe I no longer believe Tom Cruise is a sex symbol, and it was interesting to reflect on a time when he was. That's all I was that's trying all, to say. That's all. Yeah. But but you seem to think he still is, and that's where the disagreement stems from. You but, don't think do you, the Rock is a sex symbol, Dave? That invalidates your entire argument. That's fine. That's fine. You know, whatever. I, I, it's the, I, I'm, I'm obviously just riffing here. So if, if my rock opinion is wrong, that's okay. I, I feel much more confident I, I about think the that's Tom a deeper, one. Yes, yes. That's a deeper argument in terms of like, how is the rock a sex symbol? I think we can yes, ask that fine, question. Fine. I'm, I'm yeah, willing to yeah, take yeah, the yeah. L on that one, but I'm not willing to take the L on this Tom Cruise <laughs> thing. And I, you know, it's fine. We obviously disagree incredibly strongly about this is it. This amazing. You, you, in your opinion, Jeff, it sounds like, Tom Cruise's status in our society has changed not at all, which, you know, that's fine. That but I was just I'm trying to say, like, oh, hey. That is not what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying his status <laughs> hasn't changed. That is, don't put those words in my Talking about a straw man. That's not what we're talking about. His, his status, status as a changed. sex symbol. 
How about that? I'm saying yeah, the, it's not a, the, a sex symbol. That's what I was trying to say. Okay, well, that's what he said. Yeah. What, what do you? What do you? I'm th- saying. Here's a question. Here's a question. Forget about whether he's a sex symbol or not. What do you think <laughs> of how Tom Cruise appears in this movie compared to how he's appeared in the last six movies he's done? That's what I'm asking you. Okay, this is what I've tried to say over and over again. <laughs> yeah. I think that difference speaks more to the difference in how big budget mainstream Hollywood blockbusters present sex differently over the last 30 years than it does about how, you know, Tom Cruise has changed. I don't, I don't think that, I think that the position, the, the, the selling of sex that happens in Top Gun Maverick Mm -hmm. is different than the selling of sex that happens in Top Gun, but not because they're no longer selling Tom Cruise as a sex symbol. They are still selling him as a sex symbol. That they're just they just sell sex differently. The movie is still selling sex, and they're doing it with their young co-stars as well, with Miles Teller and all those sure, other dudes. Sure, sure, But Tom Cruise is right fucking there with them, with his shirt off, selling sex. And that movie is absolutely a hundred percent selling sex in this it, it, differently than the first Top Gun, but no less so. I don't. I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with that. Well, there so, yeah. we've reached an agreement. <laughs> it's, it's selling sex, yes. Because Tom Cruise is selling it. I, the, mm. Oh, Jeff. Oh, Jeff. Not to me. I don't, I'm not saying I'm sitting here wanting to have sex with Tom Cruise. No. Or, or, or I even think, you know. We're just talking about the idea of it. I, I, I yeah. almost feel like the moment Tom Cruise is no longer a sex symbol really crushes like a certain aspect of American culture. You know, I guess like that, that's all I've come to terms with that. I, I grew up with him as a sex symbol, too. I was like, eh. you know how we'll know when that moment hits when I mean, he doesn't take his fucking shirt off in a movie. Uh... There's no other reason to take his shirt I, off. I would in that love movie. listeners to write in about yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, please. No, people, please. People, people will chime, chime into the comments. Um, <laughs> but but anyway, I guess I, the point I was trying to make apparently incredibly <laughs> poorly um, is that. Uh, I I feel personally like Tom Cruise's image has been, in some ways, tainted by all, all the weird shit he's been oh, up to. I Absolutely. do not disagree with that. Absolutely, yeah. at all. And, and this this was kind of a time when it wasn't the case when it was Correct. like so we were all so Tom pure, Cruise is pure and so innocent. You know? yeah. yeah, no, yeah. you seem like a normal human. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, weren't we all more normal back then? You know, weren't we all? Say. Weren't we I all? Uh, were. If we, we were going to pinpoint the moment uh, for me where I think he lost it, by the way, it was uh, it was Vanilla Sky, I think. Mm. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Because that movie enti- is all about uh, bad, sexy times and naughty, sexy times, and a lot. Him <laughs> mm, in that wide role. Shut. <laughs> well, that was that was a couple years before, but you you cannot deny the the sizzle of Mission Impossible Two. Like, say what you will about that movie. Yes. Him just looking like a goddamn you know god. Uh, yeah, that that movie and uh, Vanilla Sky came like right after that. To me, that was the end of it. Because after that, it, it's very different for him. <laughs> I, I completely agree with you that America saw him jump up and down on that couch and went, yes, you, I, I, I don't, I do not disagree with that at all, but I don't it's, think that it's is like the Howard Dean scream. Basically yeah, like a moment that like, like one, you know, a person spends years building up what have you. And then like in one moment, they in, indelibly etch a different image of themselves on the world, basically. Mm-hmm. And, no, uh, yeah. 
and yeah, it's it's weird. To, it's you know, it, it's it's nice to kind of see him, you know, when he was at the height of his powers, and um, and now we live in a different age. So different age, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess we'll never talk about that Mission Impossible trailer, but oh man, you guys are missing out. <laughs> Good shit. Talk about sex. I'm really appeal. looking forward to the movie. Yeah, I hope uh, I. It's a I, year away. I cannot believe yeah. how long we we're waiting for that movie. Yeah, I mean, it was supposed to come out in like 2021, I think originally. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, yep. Any other thoughts on Top Gun? Guys? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know who's sexy in that movie is Anthony Edwards. Come I mean, on, he's really good. I love him. Yeah, love I will say the goose death did really get to me. You know, it's, like it's that, that is a part of this movie that remains effective, and yeah, I I think the way it's it's shot is actually like pretty clear what happens to him like something goes wrong with the eject seat and he mm-hmm. like hits his head and it's like you know it's it's really sad and tragic yeah. um the, and well it i agree with davinder though it's it's kind of hard to not pin this on maverick yeah <laughs> it's, like, it's still maverick 100 percent his fault they have really, to have the scene I, I came away with a different perspective really uh-huh. wow yeah i mean i i first of all i can totally understand why yeah. they um, would not be in that position had yeah. he not done what he did right well and I, he wasn't for, supposed to do what he did well, okay, I can totally understand why Goose's son might feel that way. Yeah, <laughs> put it that way, which makes for good uh, drama in yes. a better Top Gun movie. Yeah, <laughs> agreed. Um, but to me, like nothing he did was um, out of protocol, and and he was he was exonerated in the film. Obviously, he, but he like, was, the film had to clearly exonerate him so he could continue to be a hero. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I, to me, it's like, and also like it was like Goose was egging him on. Like Goose wanted him to do what he did. In, right. In right. The movie. Right. So right. like. I didn't, I didn't, nothing he did broke protocol as far as I could tell. Yep. You know? He should feel he, guilty for the rest he, of his life. Was, and I think he does. Yeah. He was extremely enthusiastic about getting in there instead of Iceman, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And maybe if he had been less uh, trigger happy, it would be different outcome. But like, it's mm-hmm. not like he did anything wrong in my opinion, but like, yeah. I don't know. I guess, I guess we have to differ on this as well as his <laughs> yeah. sexiness. Well, I, I mean, one, <laughs> one thing I'll say is this movie does perfect the sort of like action soap opera thing like that goose's death, the stuff with his father, like there are emotional yeah, yeah, yeah. ties to this stuff that is not just like big, dumb, you know, planes go boom movie. Like yeah. there, there's something rooting it. And I think we did end up seeing that in action movies down the line too. Um, like I feel like uh, my my ideal action movie is like a mix of like what Michael Mann does, emotional heroes, and like big bombastic stuff, you know. So yeah, we can uh, trace you know, a another, lot to this movie. Another sort of perverse shift in how sexuality is communicated in, in these movies is that this is something I've brought up before on the show. Is um, you know you look at Anthony Edwards in this movie, and it's clear he's never lifted a weight. You know <laughs> that just wouldn't ever happen right, right, right. there's no universe where a guy gets cast as goose in in a remake of this that isn't totally ripped you know right mm-hmm. yeah it's full, just weird right dad to bots see... were okay back then yeah yeah it's just like he, he just had a regular human being's body <laughs> you know and he's completely yeah. shirtless in that movie too we can agree like, we can agree anthony edwards not a sex symbol in this movie. <laughs> Not, not, I, probably not. I agree. mean, he, he was married to Meg Ryan, so I don't know. He's got something going on. Yeah, like, like, this is just a couple years just after every Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah. Whether or not there's <laughs> this is just a couple of years that's after what, Revenge of the Nerds. That's what our Maverick review is going to be. Yeah. It's just, we're going to name Sex every character. Yeah, that's going to be pretty easy, I think, actually. <laughs> Tom Skerritt? Very easy. <laughs> Tom Skerritt. Always. Smoldering. Smoldering in this film. <laughs> Michael Ironside. Yeah, oh, sex for the love voice. of God, yes. That voice. 
the guy who plays Principal Strickland in Back to the Future. (laughs) (laughs) He had a type, didn't he, in the 80s? Oh, man. That's what I loved about the 80s is that, like, Mm -hmm. they got that, they wanted that character, they got that guy. Like there was mm-hmm, no, mm-hmm. there was no variation. You know, you want the asshole principal, you get asshole principal guy. You know, you want, it's just like, there was just only three dudes that did the, the parts. You know, it was mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. James Tolkien, by the way, is his name. He's still with us. He's 90 years old. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So Tom Skerritt's still with us too. He's 90 something. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Great. I did not realize this movie was based on a magazine article. I'll check that out at some point. Oh. All right, guys. Well, when you're bringing up the magazine articles, I think it's time to. There you, there you go. There you go. It is weird that the but, movie starts with a uh, with text. You know, that it's is like kind of to... wild to me. It, it is like very iconic in yeah. a way, right? Like it is almost like a Star Wars crawl. I feel a lot of Star Wars energy from this movie. Actually, why like, why is that weird though, Jeff? Why do you think that's weird? Me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Devinder said it. I, I, you I mean, you I, said it was weird that it you starts said it with text. Weird. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was interesting. It's interesting. It's. <laughs> Um, just, I guess it's, uh, it's weird that they felt the need to like spell out mm-hmm, what the mm-hmm. top gun thing was, you uh-huh, know, uh-huh. because I but, guess, you know, we're all in the <laughs> aftermath of this movie where it seems obvious what the top gun thing is, but nobody knew, you know, mm-hmm. they just walked into a movie called <laughs> top gun and they have to be explained at the beginning. Yeah. Hey, there's this school, you know, and then, and, but you know, it was established in the thirties or whatever it says, but it's, uh, it's the way it's written. It's like an elite school. Yeah. An yeah. elite Top school of like, uh, the, the forgotten art of dogfighting yeah. or whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. they called it top gun. Yeah. I think it's, it's very part, dramatic. It's yeah. part of the vibe. It's part because yeah. you, you could have like, you could not have that text and the movie would be completely intact. Like there is no, yeah. I still, still get what it is. Yeah. Right. But it's part of the vibe. I think it it's kind of, of like, vibe. Mm-hmm. It, 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 this whole movie's about vibes, and it's like here's the vibe is like this yeah. is the most badass thing imaginable, basically. Yeah. Right? Th- think of the first time you see the Star Wars opening crawl, you know, and you're like, what is happening? <laughs> and I, yeah. I can actually kind of remember that too. It's like there these names, Alderaan, words I've never seen before, <laughs> d- you know, disappearing into the sky. Miramar, like- California. What? <laughs> it also feel, it actually feels actually goes there. It less less like the Star Wars crawl to me, and more like the beginning of Law and Order, where it's like mm-hmm. there are two distinct oh, yeah. but unique groups. These are their stories, you know. It just it's like completely different than the vibe of the rest of the show, where everybody's yeah. just like, you know, yeah. Although no text on screen, um, right? No text on screen, but, right? But yeah, it, it's always interesting when a fictional film chooses to use text on screen because mm-hmm. yeah. The only other time I can think of it right now is M Night Shyamalan at the end of Unbreakable, which is <laughs> was absolutely bizarre, but like. In general, it's weird because if they're a fictional film, you can figure out a way to communicate that information in the film itself. Right. So the right. only reason you would do it is for the vibes. Right. The so vibes. it is weird. Thank you. It is weird. Yeah. I wasn't disagreeing. Wasn't disagreeing. <laughs> <laughs> just just trying to learn more about how that mind palace works, Chef. You know? <laughs> okay. I think we're done. I cannot wait to see the comments on this episode. <laughs> You realize you, you established a running joke, Jeff, and now this is this is going to pay off dividends for years. I think we, every movie ends with uh, Dave, you know, saying it's it's, it's it, at the end of the day, you know, it's amazing that so and so made a movie, and it starts with us uh, deciding who's a sex symbol and who's not. <laughs> My position is not that 
he doesn't take his shirt off. You know, I, yes. I, I get he takes his shirt off and no, wants to be seen. It's not that you he wants to be seen as He wants to be seen as capable. I think a sex symbol is someone who is widely thought of as sexually attractive, mm-hmm. per the definition of sex symbol. <laughs> Ladies, <laughs> please tell us if you still think Tom Cruise is a sex. And symbol. I don't I really feel like know. Tom Cruise fits know. into that category anymore. But maybe I'm, prove me wrong, world. Yeah, prove me wrong. Okay, folks. Thanks for listening. Um, you are, if you're a patron, you are going to get our Top Gun Maverick review early. Thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Definitely tell your friends. And uh, and we hope everyone has a, a a lovely Memorial Day weekend. Okay. See you later. Bye.